0: Listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Did you miss us? I hope you missed us. Welcome back to the Testudo Times Podcast, episode 22, one day after we recorded episode 21, because basketball. It was a pretty big basketball game tonight. I'm not sure you're aware. Uh, Dave, wasn't there a big basketball game tonight?
1: Yeah, that's the word on the street.
0: I heard that there was something related. You know, I was watching a hockey game. Florida Panthers beat the St. Louis Blues 4-1. to I was really excited. Derek McKenzie scored two unassisted goals. Uh, Noah Niederhofer is also here. Uh, did you hear about this basketball game, too?
2: Oh, I, I was too wrapped up in the Philadelphia 76ers winning their first game of the year.
0: They won a game? I know. That's it's just a shock. Don't you feel for Philadelphia sports that the Sixers have the longest winning streak in Philadelphia right now?
2: <laughs> it's, it's something.
0: It's, it's amazing.
2: All right, so enough with the
0: hyperbole. Maryland lost to North Carolina. We're recording this right after the game ended. Scott Van Pelt Sports Center is on as I record this. The first question that we should ask is, and it's one you guys asked off the top, do you feel better or worse about Maryland after that game ended? So I'll start with Dave. Do you feel better or worse? After this game, I think in a lot of ways, I feel better. I mean, the
1: glaring thing that sticks out are the number of turnovers that Maryland had in this game. And they were just a killer for them. Um, They really, really struggled, especially early in the game and, and ultimately came back and cost them. And UNC was also able to shoot extremely well. Um, All that being said, you're talking about uh, the preseason number one team who just got arguably their best player back tonight playing on their home court. And, you know, Maryland only lost by eight points.
0: And they turned the ball over at an ungodly rate.
1: Yes, it was definitely an ungodly rate. Um, So all those things in mind, I think, you know, you have to feel pretty good about Maryland. Maryland wasn't going to go undefeated this year. I think most people thought that you know it's good to have themselves tested against a team like unc who is you know definitely capable of being in the final four winning the national championship this year so they know what they need to improve on now and as gary williams used to always say after a game uh, when his team turned the ball over turnovers can be corrected i mean Maryland Maryland clearly has the talent i think you saw arguably one of Mellow Trimble's best games that he's had at Maryland. He just had, you know, he struggled a little bit early with his turnovers, but he finished with 12 assists and 23 points. And he was four for six from beyond the arc. I mean, he was just absolutely incredible.
0: I, I can only think of two games last year that reminded me of this one. The Arizona State game where he essentially beat his, the Sun Devils by himself and that first half against Michigan State at home where he was just dominant. Other than that, I mean, there aren't any that I can think of that's better. Do you remember any that's better, Dave? those off the top I of my mean, head.
1: Yeah, not off the top of my head. I mean, this – he was just in another zone, and it wasn't just his, his scoring prowess and how he was just draining balls from wherever he was on the court, but the the moves he was putting on guys to get to the hoop and – he was drawing double teams as he drove to the basket and then finding guys like DeMonte Dodd wide open. Uh, he was breaking people's ankles in the process. I mean, he just, an overall very, very good game from him.
2: Noah, do you feel
0: better or worse about the Terps after this game?
2: Well, uh, I, I saw some things I liked. I saw some things that certainly, like, like Dave said, I mean, can be corrected. And I think when you see what they How poorly I think they played in that first half and the way they were able to come back and eventually take the lead with you know, about 13 minutes left in the second half, I I think is certainly encouraging. So we know that they have the ability to dig deep, and even though they were in a hole for most of that first half, they were able to come back. I certainly think overall Maryland fans should be pleased with what they saw. Uh, in terms of the quality of the play in, in that second half, and like Dave said, this team was never going to go undefeated, and certainly cause uh, cause to be optimistic about what this team can do in terms of how how they came back on another team's floor. And this is a very, very good UNC team.
0: It might be the best team in the country. They might be. They played like it. I don't think you can beat any team when they shoot, what was it, 9 of 13 from 3. I mean, if Maryland shoots that anywhere else, they probably win by at least 10. And against, we saw it against Rhode Island and against uh, Cleveland State. When they shoot well, they can blow you out of the gym almost immediately. So, I mean, and they shot really well from 3 too until the end. I mean, the numbers are going to go down because they were throwing up hero shots at the end that didn't go. But for a while, they were shooting crazy numbers from 3 as well. And right. they were and, hitting and
2: those shots. Something that, something that surprised me, I think, were the rebounding numbers. I really didn't think that Maryland was going to be able to go into the Dean Dome and put up those kinds of numbers. On the defensive glass, they actually had one more rebound. UNC actually only rebounded them 32-30. to 30. I, was, I was actually very impressed with the rebounding numbers, but it seemed that the key rebounds in the game went UNC's way.
0: I think that that's agreeable. Uh, one of the questions I had coming into this game was Maryland's size inside. We've seen alternating good games depending on what it was. Diamondstone's had a couple of really good games in the past series of them against arguably way less opponents. Same with Michael Tchaikovsky in flashes. Same with DeMonte Dodd. Kennedy Meeks was pretty good in this game. Now, Kennedy Meeks is one of the best big men in the country. Uh, I, I, I know Diamondstone is going to get better. He provided a little bit of spark for Maryland tonight. I think it was nine points and five rebounds, which is not bad. But the big man question is something that Maryland's still going to have to work out. Now, they don't get a chance to play a huge big man for a while, so they'll have a chance to iron out those differences. But, Dave, that was one of the biggest things I was noticing in the games leading up to this was how the big man, the play of the Stones, the Tchaikovskis, the Dodds of the world was alternating, and they needed somebody to really step up in this game, and they didn't particularly get that.
1: Yeah, I think they struggled um, a little bit, especially on the defensive end. I think that's where Diamond Stone is also still trying to improve on that defensive side of the ball. And, you know, that's something they're going to need to continue to do as they get, you know, into tougher competition once Big Ten play starts. Um, someone else brought up a great point on Twitter, which is that Maryland really also missed um, – having Dion Wiley as a Absolutely. shutdown defender uh, for this game. And I think this is really the first um, game where you can say he was very, very much missed. And um, I think that's a great point. And ha- having him on Marcus Page would have been something I'd really like to have seen. And I think it really hurt Maryland not having him out there tonight.
0: Rashid Suleiman had been defending really well from the perimeter, and one of Melo Trimble's big issues last season was defending from uh, the perimeter and on the outside. We talked with Eric Hayes about that. That was one of the areas that he said that Melo needed to improve on. He struggled a bit there tonight. Now, against most teams, that's not going to be a problem because he'll be able to shoot his way out of a lot of those problems, like he did tonight. But the perimeter defense was a problem last year. It came up again tonight. But this is almost an exceptional case. Is it that big of a problem going forward when you figure the teams Maryland's going to play in the Big Ten are not going to be able to shoot the way North Carolina did, uh, Noah?
2: Well, I mean, certainly I think North Carolina is a very different style of team. I don't think anybody really pushes the floor uh, and pushes the pace of a game, the tempo, and has the kind of versatile big men uh, that UNC does, I I think. Really, I think it'll be a little bit open. I think Purdue is pretty good this year.
0: Michigan State uh, Michigan, will be
2: tough. Michigan State, Michigan State has probably, I mean, along with Mello, I think Denzel Valentine is, is probably one of the best players in the country. Certainly one of the best in the Big Ten. Uh, but we're we're not going to see like a, a Sam Decker who who can who can go up who can hit maybe you know an outside shot. Uh, you know a guy like a Kaminsky. Uh, like a Nigel Hayes, we're, we're, we're not going to see that from other teams in the Big Ten. And I, I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, to Hayes. As you said, uh, by the way, Maryland basketball released a tweet during this game, the last player uh, for Maryland to have a double-double in points and assists, uh, they said, was, uh, was Hayes against Virginia Tech in 2008.
0: That's something against a much lesser opponent we have to say. Uh, was th- that the game that um, Vasquez had the triple-double? You're not asking the right person.
1: That might be. I'll have to look up. That was a great
0: game. You can look that up because I wouldn't know the answer to that. My Maryland knowledge, as you know, starts in 2012, and that's the reference point. Um, There's a player tonight that was noticeably absent, and it's starting to become a bit glaring. That's Jake Lehman. Now, against Georgetown, he started really slowly and picked it up in the last 10 minutes. Same against Ryder. I called that game, and he started really slowly and picked it up towards the end. He was iffy in the Cancun challenge, didn't really matter against Cleveland State, but he was non-existent tonight. Are we going to start, and one of the questions we got from Twitter, I'm sorry I didn't take down your name when I looked at it, are we going to start, and he asked, are we going to see Jared Nickens start over Jake Lehman? I don't think we're going to see that, but when do we start getting worried about Lehman's play, Dave? I don't know. I mean, Lehman, he has a, a track record of being able
1: to, you know, perform at a pretty high level he's just really started out the season in a bit of a slump Uh, because he's a senior. And because you know what you can expect out of him, I would think that Mark Turgeon's going to let him keep playing and shoot his way out of it. And while Maryland plays UConn next week, um, other than that, there's going to be some easier games where I think layman's going to have an opportunity to be able to get himself out of this funk that he's in right now. And, hopefully um, be performing at a higher level by the time Big Ten play rolls around.
0: I don't think he's. he'll have plenty of time, because I don't think the first real tough Big Ten game is until Maryland goes to Wisconsin. I think they open up with like Penn State and Rutgers, so Maryland will be fine against those two. Uh, no, are you concerned about Jake Lehman's play right
2: now? Well, I don't think I'm concerned about Jake Lehman's play because of the schedule that they have going forward, and I think that they can win without him playing a huge role, but if if Maryland wants to go deep in the tournament, they can't have him go one for five with four points and eight boards and three turnovers and, and have four fouls. They just they can't do that. When Lehman is playing at a I'll say a pretty good level, when he's shooting, when he's scoring about 15 points, they're very tough to beat, and when he's scoring 20, 25, they are almost impossible to beat. So I think that Lehman's play for me is an indicator of where Maryland is. And if he is feeling it and he is getting involved in the offense and he's playing at a very high level, then that shows that Maryland is, is in a zone and they're very, very hard to beat. Uh, I, but if he plays like this, absolutely they can be beaten.
0: I think we lost this a bit in the shuffle. Uh, Robert Carter is insanely good.
2: He's better than I even thought he was tonight was I mean I'm being from I'm from Georgia so I got to see a little bit of him and uh, and and it was no surprise to me I'm, I am very pleased with how he's done he's I mean he got lean that first year that he came in and he dropped some weight and put on muscle and uh, he's looked fantastic I, I couldn't be happier for him and it really looks like he's he's seizing the moment on this stage in games like this he had a game high four blocks.
0: Is he the X factor for Maryland? I don't want to say he's the X factor because he's obviously a very important player, but he—he's the difference between Maryland of last year and Maryland of this year. He's the reason. Melo Trimble is still awesome, obviously having Rasheed Suleiman, i guess replaces Des Wells in a sense—but having Robert Carter changes the way this team looks, the way this team plays, the way he can score that little jump hook. I, I don't think he missed it once, Dave. It was really incredible to watch and. He's been overpowering at stretches, not just in this game, but in the Cancun Challenge. There were stretches against Illinois State and Rhode Island where you couldn't stop him.
1: He is just doing so much, and I really don't think – I mean, if he keeps playing like this, I cannot imagine he's going to be back at Maryland next season, and I would think he's going to be a first-round draft pick. I mean, he can just do anything. He can – he has a great jump hook around the, the basket. He has a great jump shot. He does a lot of stuff on defense. Um, he's a great rebounder. Uh, he can step back and shoot the three, too. I don't um, want him to do that. Yeah, but he's, he's shown, you know, that other teams have to at least respect that. Um, but yeah, he's just, he has, a lot of people were, you know, saying he was really, really good, and he might be one of Maryland's best players and he has certainly lived up to those expectations and he certainly exceeded my expectations he's he's just been phenomenal for maryland so far
0: it's going to be hard for a lot of even the really good teams in the big 10 and later on in the season to beat maryland if robert carter jr is playing like that at a consistent level it's insane how good he was again overshadowed because of Melo trimble in the beginning part of that second half and we knew mellow trimble was awesome we said that last year there were times when he had to basically beat other teams by himself and he did. But boy, I think tonight was extra special not just because of the occasion, but how effortless he made some of those plays look, not just the shots but the assists too. His vision, everything he does, sometimes it, you marvel at it. And it, I don't know, Dave, you're again, you've seen a lot more Maryland basketball than I have. He is a special kind of player, and Maryland fans have been waiting for that transcendent player, the player that can take Maryland to the next level. The, he did last year, and now this year, his play could put them even further over the top, and it's a shame that Maryland didn't win, because if they did, Mellow Trimble would have been glorified for this performance, even more than yeah. he already is.
1: No, yeah, I completely agree. Um, Mellow has, I mean, he's exceeded expectations from day one that he stepped foot in College Park and he's showing throughout the season, especially tonight, that, you know, he is a fantastic player. Um I think he's really benefiting from having even more talent around him this year than he did last year. Um just the fact that he had uh those twelve assists tonight, I mean, he did so much to create those open looks, but he also had really talented players to knock down the shots around him and I think that's that's benefited him a lot. And I think having Rashid Suleiman out there has kind of been like a almost like a Des Wells type calming influence on not just him but the entire team. And I think that's also benefited Mello and
0: the whole team in general. Noah is we there are a lot of great backcourts in the country right now. We just saw one of them with North Carolina but is Trimble and Suleiman the best in the country? I saw this ass during the game, and I should bring it up to you guys. Is it the best backcourt in the country?
2: Well, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I think this definitely might be one of the most talented. Uh, I certainly would put them up against any other backcourt. So I, I think we'll, it, it's still, we still need time to determine whether or not it is the best backcourt. I think at this time last year, would I have said that Quinn Cook and Tyus Jones were the best backcourt in the country? I'm not sure I would have. But at the end of the year, absolutely. So I think for me, I, I still need to see a little more out of uh, of these two to determine whether or not I think this is the premier backcourt in the entire country. Dave?
1: I mean, they're certainly up there. There There's some other really talented backcourts. I think for for Maryland, if you want to call Trimble and Suleiman the best backcourt, I think... What I need to see out of them is more consistency. Uh, I think you sh- you saw from both of them tonight their their ability to really take over and guide Maryland through a tough time during a game. And Trimble did that, and Suleiman did that as well. And I think if you can see that kind of um, display from them on a consistent basis, then by the end of the year, I think they definitely could be one of the best backcourts. I you're definitely seeing them you know as games go on as they're spending more and more time together you know so many of these guys weren't playing together last year and as all that is coming together and they're you know being able to actually play with each other on the court i think they're going to continue to improve and by the time march rolls around they might be one of the best backcourts if not the best
0: if these teams play again at a neutral site I can't see this game going the same way. Obviously, it will be a lot less scoring. There will be less scoring in it. But I think at a neutral site in March, if they play again, it's going to be a different game, a completely different game. But that's for hypotheticals and when we get to it. On the atmosphere, boy, I didn't miss Carolina refs at all. And I saw them for two years and hated their guts. And I didn't miss it. For one second, all hail the Big Ten.
2: Uh, I actually love that you just said that because uh, Dan Steinberg on Twitter uh, said that uh, he, he posted, I think, uh, just a picture of about 10, 10 <laughs> Maryland ten Maryland fans talking about the Carolina Dave refs. Dave was said, in that. Dave was in that. And was said, I? You yes, you were. You know, Carolina nice. refs haven't, you know, it's like Maryland fans haven't lost their fastball. We, yeah.
0: we haven't. It hasn't changed. That charging call when Maryland had a chance to break, or was, I think it was a charging call, was pretty yep. pathetic. Yep. I don't the care where it is. It. It's a bat. It's a heinous call.
1: I, I mean, I will, I will admit fully that that is not the reason why no. Maryland lost no, tonight at all. But it doesn't. Um, it's it's more for me. It's more of a fun thing as someone who grew up in the ACC in ACC basketball. Um, you know, having that conspiracy theory out there was always something that Maryland fans loved to relish in and. You know, it was a little nostalgia being able to do that tonight. All we needed was Carl
0: Hess, and the (laughs) the trilogy would have been complete, but we didn't have that, and that's unfortunate. I know. I know. We all miss the king. Long live the king. Patrick Stevens is listening to this show, but if he did, he would smile at that comment. So when we look ahead, Maryland's next big game is UConn in a week. That's on a neutral side at Madison Square Garden. Very different game. But Maryland already having played Georgetown very close and on the road at North Carolina – That's going to help them for these big games down the road when they're going to need it. You know, in years past, when they were playing big games, they got skittish, and it was mainly because they just hadn't seen the big games before. Maryland's already going to have plenty of big-time, big-game experience as we go on through the season, and that can only help them. Because, again, they came out and started really, really nervous again. And I, I, the occasion got to them a bit, and that's okay to admit. Even it did against Georgetown, it did against North Carolina, and it might against UConn too.
1: Dave. Yeah, I mean it's. I think they they have a great. When you're looking at Maryland's schedule, they've got some great opponents this year, and you know they're going to be tested. I think. I think UConn's better than I thought they were going to be, especially at this point in the season. Um, being able to play that game up in. New York, at that's the one at Madison Square Garden, correct? Yes. So, I mean, that's it was, it's was it been fun with Maryland playing up there. There are a lot of Maryland fans that travel up for games like that that have in the past. Um, unfortunately, this one's on a Tuesday night. But, um, you know, testing their team like that, this is – you want to be able to do this against teams like UNC and UConn at this point in the season. So you can see what other teams would do – to prepare against your team, you can see what your team's weaknesses are against the best competition, and then you can work on those things in your out-of-conference schedule and into your conference schedule and then be prepared when that conference schedule rolls around and then when you get into your conference and NCAA tournaments.
0: I just saw a comment. Our Matt Allen Tuck was there. Uh, I can't wait to see after the buzzer when that uh, goes up on the website. Uh, Mark Durgin said, quote, I didn't love our team until tonight. Tells you a lot about this game, and he didn't know how it was going to go. I think Turgeon said, yeah, he said that. Turgeon also made a comment that he thought Trimble
1: got tackled on several of his turnovers. So he looked at it as Trimble having 12 assists and four turnovers, which I thought was kind of funny.
0: Carolina refs. He buys into the conspiracy, too. He's one of us.
2: It's a little gamesmanship on, on his part. I mean, I think it was the same with the Georgetown game where neither one of the coaches really liked the officiating.
0: Is that part to do with the way that the game is being called this year because of the rules
2: changes, do you think? Uh, I, think the freedom, I definitely think the freedom of movement stuff is, is having an effect. Absolutely. Dave?
1: No, it's definitely having an effect. But I mean, that that rule specifically, I think, is having an effect Um I think there's still some confusion in terms of, you know, what is and what isn't a charge. I almost, I equated it on Twitter as being um, kind of like, what is a catch in the NFL these days? Correct. That's definitely a catch. And you're like, well, that's definitely a charge. That's definitely not a charge. And I think there's still some um, feeling out of, of what exactly players should be looking at and what refs are looking at and
0: in those um, new rule changes. Or if you're a hockey fan, what is goaltender interference? That's another one that I I certainly can notice. I want to go into Twitter, read some comments. don't know how many questions we got. We got plenty of comments, though. The people came out and forced to talk about this game. I'm shocked. Of course, Sue Halter with a great comment. We needed a game like Oklahoma in 2001 before the national championship run. This team will be fine lost to number one on the road. Well, not number one, but they were number one. I, I agree. I think that... Having games like this early on in the season and even before Big Ten play gets you a little bit more, again, the experience, the nows for these big games. I remember my first year, 2012, Maryland played nobody and had a conference, and they were really good. They were like 12-1, and then they came into ACC play and were bad, and they hadn't played the games to prove it to themselves. This year, they now have that game, you know? Even last year, they played Iowa State in a neutral site and beat them. So... Uh. And I'll go
1: once. I'll go one step further on that Oklahoma comment. That same year, Maryland started off the season playing Arizona and lost to them on a neutral court. Um, they lost to them by four, and you know Maryland had two losses um, before the end of December. So that's just more reason to to not worry about an early season loss like this, especially against a top. Um, A top team like UNC.
0: Noah, if this game is played at Xfinity Center, does Maryland win?
2: Uh, I think yes. I think it probably does. I think that Marcus Page at UNC is a very different animal than Marcus Page playing his first game in front of a hostile crowd. Uh, You know, the Carolina refs, I'm I'm sure, you know, plays plays a role for some.
0: We all love our conspiracy theories and tinfoil hats.
2: But honestly, I mean, if Maryland turns over the ball 19 times, at at Xfinity, no, I don't think they win.
1: Dave, no, I I completely agree. Um, it all it, to me, it all boils down to turnovers. It doesn't it doesn't matter where Maryland's playing this game um, so much as the number of turnovers that they committed. And I think um, it's been somewhat of a pattern for Maryland to. Um, have a slow start like they did again tonight. And, you know, some of these turnovers are, like I said earlier, things that can be corrected. I mean, Maryland was kind of telegraphing some of their passes. They weren't putting as much zip on the ball when they were passing as they should have. And UNC, to their credit, took advantage of that. And, you know, that that's really much more relevant than I think where they were playing the game. I think if they were playing at Xfinity, it's obviously one of the best – atmospheres in college basketball, and that's going to have an impact on the game for sure. But if Maryland turned the ball over as many times as they did, I think you know that negates any kind of home court advantage they would have had.
0: They, some of those turnovers were a bit – they were sloppy. They looked nervous. I, and the skittish part, maybe they were trying to rush and trying to force things too much because they were nervous. I think that's where a lot of the turnovers came from. They were obviously better in the second half once they settled in. I mean, if you take some of the stupid calls away. so I, I. But they can't keep digging themselves holes. Against the North Carolina, you can't dig out of that. Against Ryder, you can. Against uh, Georgetown, you can,
2: apparently. Maybe well, against UConn, you, you can. If you, turn, if you turn the ball over 19 times you're, you're Maryland, you're going to have a tough time beating Ryder. You're going to have a tough That's time true. beating Illinois State. You're going to have a tough time beating anybody, no matter who it is, if you play a, a good team and you turn it over that many times.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Ricky Capino uh, on Twitter wonders, should Maryland run a smaller rotation of guys? He says similar to Providence. Uh, Well, you have to spell Melo Trimble at some point. He has to take a break. Uh, But I'm wondering, like, is he meeting, like, maybe cut out Michael Tchaikovsky, put him in less, less Jalen Brantley? What what do you think? Should Maryland run a smaller – I had no problem with the rotation, honestly.
1: No, I I think the rotation's fine the way it is right now. I think, you know, they've got a a pretty good – a pretty good rotation going on. I don't think there's really confusion as to what someone's role is on this team. I think Turgeon's done a pretty good job especially with the front court rotation um and you know getting Diamondstone minutes but then also bringing in Dodd and Tchaikovsky and putting them in situations where they can excel. And I think they've done a pretty good job with that this year.
2: I know uh, uh, I think it's hard for this team to go small, and I think Deion Wiley's injury is a big part of that. I think they really could have used that tonight against UNC and some of their bigs. Uh, so I, I think Deion Wiley's injury is just, you know, these, these games, these situations are, are where a, uh, like I, I like to call, uh, you know, guys like uh, Suleiman, guys like Deion Wiley, a, a 3-and-D guy. Uh, you know, those those guys uh, were obviously, you know, missed.
0: I mean, when you think about it overall, the Maryland turned it over 21 times, lost at potentially the number one team in the country by eight. There aren't many teams in the country that can say that. And for what it's worth, that's why I'm at least more confident than I was before it. Because if Maryland could play that badly and not get completely run out of the gym, then if they play on their game, they're probably not going to lose very much. And that is, again, that's really encouraging. And again, North Carolina is one of the best teams in the country. And Maryland's going to have to beat teams like that in March if they want to go far. So that's where it's encouraging to me. And I don't think they'll play this badly again, at least with the turnovers for the rest of the season. Maybe that's my guess. But I want to get quickly into football unless, before we do that, are there any comments from Twitter that you guys want to bring up before we uh, ask a coaching question and then we'll uh, end the show?
2: Uh, I was just gonna say, for uh, did did some digging, it wasn't uh, 2008 against Virginia Tech. Eric Hayes's double double actually was 12 points, 10 assists. It was uh, came in an overtime win uh, for Maryland against Virginia Tech. Came February 27th, 2010. And that's
1: actually Grievous Vasquez scored 41 points 41. in that game, <laughs>
2: if I remember
0: correctly. Grievous Vasquez. Oh, no, you mean Terrell Stoglin. I, no, I'm just kidding. I think that's
1: that might be the game where the game got delayed because there was some, like, sewage problem or something at, at Tech.
0: I wouldn't then, remember that. Although um, that makes sense, Virginia Tech basketball
2: and sewage. Um, yeah, Vasquez had just an incredible game. Yeah, 41-7-6 and for Vasquez that day. Yeah.
0: Oof. Are there any other uh, Twitter things you wanted to bring up before I ask you the football question? Anything?
2: No. I, so. um, I, I would say the reaction from, from Maryland fans, uh, you know, I think... Uh, you it's know, Shockingly like, positive.
0: I know, yeah. that's that surprised me. There that isn't was, as that much was really bridge all,
2: all I was going to say is, I think, uh, you know, my my usual kind of interaction with Maryland fans, I see a lot of kind of quick trigger you know the sky is falling Uh, not a lot of perspective built into it that this is a long season and these losses in December you know don't really unless they they pile up and you have a lot of them don't really impact the teams you know because it's a very different team at the end of the year and I think a lot of a lot of fans were were pretty level-headed realized that they played a really great team pretty close on the road And uh, this is going to be a team, if they can play at, like Dave said, a consistent level, this is a team that's going to be obviously very fun to watch in Big Ten play and could really make a run into the NCAA tournament.
0: Maryland fans were acting rational. Oh, my God.
1: I know. I'm shocked. One one other point I think that we haven't really touched on too much tonight was just the – the defense UNC was playing against Maryland tonight. Uh, I think that's something else to keep an eye on because they really kept Maryland away from the basket, especially in the the first half. Um, you know, Maryland wasn't really able to run their offense effectively, and I think other teams might try to use a similar approach. Um, I also think it was a great move by Turgeon to go to that one three one zone um, that really slowed down. UNC, who was kind of scoring at will. Um, those are just two other points about the game I thought were worth noting.
2: I forgot um, about the one. I, I didn't think the zone worked as well, but I, I think that Maryland's poor transition defense at times also perhaps made it look like it wasn't working perhaps as well as it as it was.
1: I yeah, think I, I think if they were in a half-court set, the 1-3-1 one, one was working well, but you're absolutely right, Noah, that when they were – in transition, um, which they were a lot, unfortunately, because they kept turning the ball over and they were not getting very many second-chance shots, which is another thing that really impacted them tonight. Um, it, it was not nearly as effective. You're absolutely right.
0: I'll say this because I remember it from the Ryder game. Immediately, it stood out. When they went to the one they had trouble stopping Ryder before. And then, again, it's Ryder and they're not very good. But Ryder was completely shut down and Maryland was energized when they went to the one three one. It's a little card that Turgeon can play if things aren't going well, and it often changes momentum. Uh, but Ale- Alex Kirshner, he who could not be on the podcast because of outside circumstances this week, uh, but he just tweeted this, Coach K knows more about basketball than me, but I don't understand how he never got this out of Rashid Suleiman. It took Turgeon a month. It's a good point. Rasheed Suleiman was awesome tonight.
1: As Andrew Emmer said, um, that's a great tweet to reference next time someone says Mark Turgeon can't coach.
0: He has foul um, abilities, but he has some foibles and things that I don't like, but getting that out of Rashid Suleiman already I, is encouraging beyond belief.
1: Suleiman has more than exceeded my expectations for this season as well, and it, it's really hard to imagine where Maryland would be with some of their early struggles if they didn't have Suleiman. Um, I also think Suleiman got a pretty big helping of humble pie when he was kicked off Duke's team, and I think, you know, that has definitely, from what we've seen so far, made him into a much better player, a much more team-oriented player, and he's assumed a, a leadership role for Maryland. You can see it on the court all the time. Like I, I said earlier, he's kind of assumed that Des Wells, calming, um, bringing everyone together type role for this team.
2: He's already Dave, embraced- I, think you, Dave I, I think you really made a good point there, and uh, I think think jay billis talked a little bit about this on on the broadcast was that he said guys that transfer and only have one year left tend to go both feet in and i think that the established relationship between turgeon and suleiman and knowing that he was only there for one year i think he really he really bought in and i think you you really hit the nail on the head in terms of Looking at what he brings to this team as an experienced leader, who brings energy, and and can be that Deswells-like figure for Mello Trimble. I, I there is one comment
0: on Twitter that I do have to mention. Uh, Gary is Joe Flacco elite. I, I'm surprised we didn't get more of those questions, but he he was definitely elite on the bench last night. Anyway, just just uh, moving on. He was
1: elite when he ran three plays with a torn ACL and MCL.
0: That's true. It was very elite, but Philip Rivers ran a game in the AFC Championship game in 2007 on a torn ACL, but no matter. Speaking of football, I've got to ask the coach question. We did a whole podcast last night on that. Uh, Pete Volk and I, we talked all about the head coaching search. It's going to come pretty soon, I would think, but I want to get your opinions quickly on what you thought of some of the recent developments, the Mark Rick stuff, DJ Durkin. Dave, you get to go first.
1: I'm i don't know i mean honestly it, it's kind of like i'm just shrugging my shoulders i it just seems like there's a lot of smoke and mirrors stuff going on right now um i think mark Richter at maryland i think as we've talked about in previous podcasts would just be a home run hire for them um i don't know if you know he could ultimately end up in maryland or not there was talk of him possibly being at maryland today for an interview but that did not look like it happened it I'm pretty sure there was confirmation he was actually in Miami today, uh, which is his alma mater, which I think seems like a school that might be more likely to land him than a school like Maryland. Um, I I just don't, I don't know. Just looking back at Maryland's previous coaching search, uh, we were all kind of led to believe and thought that Mike Leach was going to be the guy. And then all of a sudden we ended up with Randy Etzel. So, we thought you know, Mullen's name was another one that was tossed around out there, and then that appears to not be happening. So I, I don't know. I With these things, so much goes on, and um, I think people get very reliable information, but then certain things happen that derail a, a search or a coach from coming to a particular place, or they might get a better offer somewhere else. And there's just so many balls up in the air, and I, I just want Maryland to make a move on somebody because they fired Etzel in the middle of the season and had all this time to prepare for this moment. And I just don't want them to be left in the dust as other teams are making moves. I think Virginia Tech so far has been probably the best team this offseason in terms of moving on their coach, getting their guy and um, being done with it.
0: No, I don't think we ever got your opinion. So uh, what is your opinion on the hosting search? Quickly, because we're already running seven minutes and 22 seconds longer than we had wanted to.
2: Oh, well. All right. Well, uh, there's a lot to uh, to dig into. Uh, You have one minute to say everything you need to say. Go. Mike Mike Leach, by the way, named the uh, uh, co-Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Don't rub it Uh, in. So uh, I think... Oh, man. I think USC getting uh, Helton, I think, took a, a big program off the board. I think uh, UGA going to go with Kirby Smart takes another one off the board. There are still a lot of great coaches out there, and the amount of openings has now been reduced. So I think the chance that Maryland gets a really good qualified hire goes up. The uh, the more and more people go quickly. So I, I won't discount the Damon Evans connection with Mark Rick. Uh, I agree, Dave. I think it would be an absolute home run higher. Uh, but I think that Maryland will get a very qualified name. And I think that uh, letting uh, Edsel go midseason really did allow uh, Maryland to do a little more digging on some guys like Durkin and Babers.
0: Okay. Dino Babers is not going to UCF, as we said last night. It's now Scott Frost. So, of course, that podcast did become outdated almost as soon as we uploaded it. It's what happens with this show.
2: It's okay. We'll news. fix this. Breaking news tonight.
0: Yeah, we breaking news tonight. Oh, well. See, that's why we recorded two podcasts in two days to make up for the one we missed over Thanksgiving. So hopefully you enjoyed this, even if the game didn't end the way we wanted to. It was a ton of fun. It was an absolutely awesome basketball game. You can't ask for a better college or pro game than that. It was one of the more fun games I've watched in a long long time. I enjoyed it. Hopefully there are more to come as Maryland plays many, many more good teams. So uh, it's 12.15 at night. I think we all want to go to bed. I want to get this show edited. So... Dave, thank you for being on again.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Noah, good to have you back on as well.
2: Always a pleasure, guys.
0: Fun night. There will be more to come with this Maryland team, and we won't be missing many podcasts in the future, I can assure you. And, of
2: course, do not
0: forget, even after losses, the